the B-Sides, or for the first time, if this is your first time here, today we are here for a special little mini-series leading up to the launch of season two of our podcast, which is on October 14th. I'll say that again. Season two of the podcast launching October 14th. So welcome to the podcast for lefties who believe that pop music matters. I'm Mimi. And I'm Becky in my Rachel Berry voice. I'm Hannah Zoe in my Glee fan voice because I don't know what Glee character to be. But I'm Hannah. Me neither. Me neither. But we might figure it out by the end of this because we're doing a Glee mini series. Holy Trinity. And the crowd goes wild. I was going to do the shibba zip up that they do on the episode. That's it. <laughs> so um yeah we decided we would do a glee mini series you know it's a fun way to chat with ourselves each other and all of you and just like revisit some music and moments from like truly a messy fave of the last decade but for the first time ever you can also leave us a voicemail on Anchor, which is where we are hosted now. So you can follow the link in our description to do that. And that would be like an absolute delight. So such a delight. Such a delight. I'd love to hear your favorite Glee memories or not favorite ones, just memories. Yeah. Right. I feel like favorite Glee memory or when you knew that it was a messy fave. What was the moment? (laughs) What was the moment for me? It was like a literal second in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't really need to insult anyone's intelligence by explaining what Glee is. I think most people probably know and or watched it. But, you know, essentially it was the Ryan Murphy show that aired on Fox from 2009 to 2015. And, like, it followed High School Musical in a way that subverted it because it was about, like, theater musical performance club stuff with the, like, loser, cool kid dichotomy causing a lot of drama. Um, But Glee also became a vanguard of much more representation and inclusivity on mainstream TV in a big way. And it gave us a lot of covers that we love and some that we don't love as much, and that's okay. So they're not all created equal. Um, It broke a lot of Billboard Hot 100 records, you know, it mended our hearts. It broke some hearts. And it was like very, I didn't realize how kind of like satirical. It, it was like satirical and heartfelt at the same time, which is interesting. Ryan Murphy's specialty, I think, is satirical shows that are also heartwarming. And also extremely fucked up if you like follow more of Ryan Murphy's uh, career. Indeed. He's a wild one that way. Yeah. Okay, so... Here's what we're going to do today. Today we are looking at season one. We have watched the pilot episode and we have also watched a random episode that Becky started to show us um, a scene from on a completely different call. Um, Season one, episode 18, Laryngitis, because it's kind of like a fun random one. And then the next episode, we're going to watch one from season two. And the next, we're going to watch one from season three. And then we're going to stop doing this because we're going to start season two of uh, our regular podcast. 
And we'll also let you know what those episodes are from two and three so you can watch ahead of time so you can enjoy this recap along with us. Although hopefully you will enjoy it if you haven't seen the episodes in a long time. But it may inspire you to turn on this quirky ass show. Absolutely. Um, and, and those episodes are going to be chosen very carefully. So don't worry about that. You know, it's not, it's not like, it's not just, we're not just going blind. This is, this is a trust fall and, you know, we hope that you will take it with us. So, um, right before we get into it, I would like to know what, like, what's, what's both of your histories with Glee? Like what, what do you have to say right off the bat? Well, I think of Glee, I think of senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really where my mind goes, honestly. I loved Leah Michelle, and Hannah knows this because we knew each other back then. Um, I saw Spring Awakening. I'm sure I've talked to this on the podcast like a gazillion times. I saw it a bunch of times. And when Leah Michelle was going to Glee, I was like, oh, my God, my friend is going on Fox. Like, <laughs> Good for her. She did it. My little Broadway star is famous. And that's really how I felt. I felt like I was like with her. I I know now 10 years later, she is a problematic fave for sure. Um, And that's what I think of Glee. I mean, I loved it. I did drop off with it. And I think that's probably because I was in college and I couldn't keep up with it. And because it's such a (laughs) weird show. But those are bops. And I love them. Yeah. What about you, Hannah? I definitely resonate with that because you got me into Leah Michelle, and it really felt like our friend. It really felt like this is a big deal. And as as you all know, I'm like I'm a very loyal fan. When I'm a fan of something, it's very hard for me to like unstand it. And I did end up dropping off by the end, but it just felt at the time it felt like I was the exact target audience like it was a show exactly just for me what I came to understand later is that part of its success that it made a lot of different kinds of people feel that way but for me it really felt like I'm a theater kid who loves Leah Michelle and loved High School Musical but wanted it to but like actually wished that High School Musical was a little more self-aware and I just like couldn't believe the gift that was Glee like it just felt like a gift and I remember when the pilot dropped I think it was in the spring and then the, the season dropped in the, in the fall. Like you waited all summer and I would watch don't stop believing on YouTube, like over and over again. Mm. Cause I was just so excited. And then, yeah, I dropped off because I just felt like it was doing nothing for me and the things that I loved about it. Um, it's a, it's a hard thing when a high school show goes to college, it's hard to keep it, keep it going. They got me back a little bit when Demi Lovato had an arc. Um, but besides that, I, I never finished. So I'm excited to revisit it with you all. And by college, you mean go to New York to try to become famous? Yes, exactly. <laughs> spoiler alert. Like 20, 2013, spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, I um, I feel all of that. I I also watched it when it came out, as it came out, like week to week in high school, college, and then dropped off Um I think sometime in season four, just, I, it was, it was also, yeah, just like, I was like, well, this is different now. And like, I'm busy and it wasn't like a super mindful decision, but one of those, I never, <laughs> I never felt like Leah Michelle was my friend. Um, and I never will, but That's probably I, for the best. yeah, 
but I did kind of feel like Naya Rivera was my friend. Not actually, but she is actually the one that I knew of the longest, which is weird. Um, Cause I didn't know her by name until Glee. And like, let me explain though. Cause you have to have a very specific set of like shows that you watched to have Yeah, this, this was shocking to me. I didn't know this. So um, she, as, as like a four-year-old, she was on like, she was on Family Matters. She was on Fresh Prince. She was on The Royal Family. And like, these were all sitcoms that I watched in the 90s. And then she was on like Even Stevens. And then she was on The Bernie Mac Show. And like all of these things that she was on were um, like, like one-off episodes or like, a few episodes, like she wasn't a developed character and she was a baby basically when she was on the earlier ones. And that's what she was going to be in Glee at first. Like she wasn't doing anything really in Glee. Um, And then she kind of like found her way into a starring role, which is great. And it was, it was really a, it was like kind of shocking and also like a delight to see how how much of a versatile talent she actually was because I knew she could like act or whatever in a few episode arcs, but um, from those earlier shows, but like to see how great of a singer she was and a dancer and also just like so funny, like so funny in the kind of way that you can't really, that like I think can't be taught. Maybe it's just my sense of humor, but like the quips and like the physical comedy. And I didn't really keep up with her much, her life, her work. In the last few years, I was aware through headlines that she, you know, was becoming, um, had become a a more controversial public figure, I guess, although less in the limelight, you know, and that seemed to be the case all the way up leading up to her death in July, which was just tragic. And the circumstances that surrounded it, devastating. And my heart goes out to all of her loved ones and like all of her fans who were, who felt so connected to her through the years, which I think we'll talk more about in the season two and three episodes we watch and discuss. Um, But it occurs to me that there are other interesting reasons to watch Glee right now, uh, political reasons to a degree. And, um, you know, the Glee years and the Obama years are almost one in the same. So, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll talk about a lot of other facets of the show and I'm excited to do that. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. Watching the pilot again, um, it's, you know, it's interesting because I've been rewatching a lot of shows in quarantine or watching for the first time. I mean, Hannah and Mimi know that I'm watching The Sopranos for the first time. And that show came out 20 years ago. And it's, in, it's, you, the older you got, obviously, the more perspective you have on things because you have life experiences that you didn't have when you were 18. And it's interesting to rewatch a show that, like, I'm picking up things now where they're saying things like offhanded comments and I'm like that's just extremely racist or like that's just heavily homophobic that I wouldn't necessarily have caught when I was 18 or wouldn't have I don't know if maybe I wouldn't have caught it or the world was so different that like no one would have made a big deal about it then the way that like now rewatching it it's 
made really fucked up that no one really said anything about it then. And we'll, we'll talk about that more. Yeah. It's both like fucked up and progressive and fucked up again. It's like really one of those shows. And it can yeah, it's like mind. the cast is so diverse yet. They fall into a lot of stereotypes. Yeah. You mean the diversity doesn't immediately <laughs> get you off the hook for being any of the kinds of oppressive. Yeah, literally. It's like, I, I noticed that too. When Kurt, is in a wheelchair or not Kurt's not sorry who's which one's the guy in the wheelchair what's his Artie? name Artie oh I'm so embarrassed uh, when Artie's in the wheelchair you're rusty, Becky. when Artie's <laughs> in the wheelchair and they're like sit down you're rocking the boat <laughs> yeah. yeah it feels like they really could have just chosen a different route for that yeah let's, anyway let's let's, let's get into it. sorry so today we're talking about season one and like yeah. um I think we all agree that at at this point um early on glee was more self-aware as hannah said up front and then it becomes like something where leah michelle like takes herself more seriously and it becomes her show kind of in a different way but at first like and what i forgot is like it's far more from the adult's perspective like mr shoe's perspective and the other teacher's perspective and a lot of the characters that we come to know and love like don't exist in the same way in the first season um and like hardly have a speaking role so it's so we'll talk more about them in the other episodes but um it's just like interesting this happens with a lot of shows but it's just interesting to see like what the dynamics are and how they change and we're gonna play like a quick fun game after the episodes that had to do with superlatives um to consider throughout and I'm just gonna name what they are without asking the questions or like actually naming the categories the superlatives are Fever Dreams, Obama Years of 2020 Vision, Best versus Worst Behave, that's pretty self-explanatory, and Top Musical Performances. Great. So, I love it. So, And Mimi, you had the benefit of watching the entire series, and I mean season and like almost series it sounds like, whereas I know for myself I only watched this episode in 18, so I have this like huge gap that I, and you have this benefit of, of the full season perspective. Becky, I think you watched a few more than me, but not a ton more. Just no, to- I um, actually was watching the pilot and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to watch the whole season. I finished the pilot and I was like, I am definitely not Never watching watched. the full season. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, there's so that. Becky and I were on one and 18, but Mimi will rely on you for the cross series context. But Hannah and I had both watched the show 10 years ago. Of course, so. of course, yes, yes. Right. Yeah, and I and like I, I mean, I it it was going to take very unusual circumstances for me to watch. I don't, I don't think any. I think only, I think only Naya Rivera would like bring me back to watching it. Plus, I also had, I was watching it while at work. I will admit that because I, for like a month, for the first time ever, could use like five percent of my brain doing research while also doing other stuff. So I was like listening to podcasts or watching this, and I still feel like I didn't watch. I wasn't watching season one closely. I was like, I, I know what this is. Um, so, so we're all kind of in this together, but yes, I have seen it recently. Okay. So in the pilot, the very first scene ever is like astounding because it opens with the Cheerios, the cheer squad, like running through a routine on the field of William McKinley High School, the high school. And then Sue Sylvester, AKA Jane Lynch is like on the bleachers with a megaphone and she yells, you think this is hard? Try being waterboarded. That's hard. And then it gets yes. the title screen. I literally gasped. Yep. 
Uh, something that I noticed immediately, I even like paused to see, is that within 41 seconds of this show starting, two songs had already played, which I thought was actually awesome. And it was like, they wanted this to feel musical even yeah. beyond the musical numbers. They were playing mm-hmm. Shining Star and the song that's like, set me free, why don't you be? Just keep, what is yeah. that called? Keep me hanging on? There yeah. was like a remix of that. And that's within 41 seconds, they had played both of those. I thought that was really cool. Also, I saw that Justin... Something I forget his last name, but Miley's boyfriend when she was in the Miley and Mandy show was on this episode as one of the like cool guys, and he was a he was one of like Kurt's bullies. He's also the love interest in Love Story, so he had a really big oh, 2009. Oh, cool. Where Thanks is he today? Listen, me too. I don't know. Huge 2009. <laughs> if you know where Justin Miley's boyfriend is, leave us a voicemail. <laughs> oh, please let us know what's going on with Justin. I hope please, he's doing fine. Please click the link in we'll be here, the description. Justin, um, if okay, you're listening. <laughs> yeah, what happens next? Okay, so what happens next is that we get a little bit of groundwork on Mr. Shu's life. Um, and I'm reminded as a viewer that I hate Matthew Morrison. That was what I really <laughs> took. I hate him. Hard to say. He was great as Lincoln Hairspray, but that was it. Okay, so this episode, like a lot of season one, was very Will-centric, which like you were mentioning, Mimi, aka Mr. Schuster, aka Mr. Shu, um, which is like interesting in terms of audience in terms of like wanting the younger perspective versus the adult perspective so once we got past that cold open we saw mr shu arriving at school neglectfully walking past jocks who were about to throw kurt into a dumpster and then we learned that he's a spanish teacher um we see him looking longingly at a plaque of lillian adler right who we learned was a glee glee club director when he was a student and he gets a little bit of like you know that arc of like oh this is who you were your golden era. Um, and then below a photo of her, but she's looking like really cross. It reads by its very definition, Glee is about opening yourself up to joy. And it's like a juxtaposition because she looks very not joyful. And then in that episode, we also learned that Mr. Shu is married to his high school sweetheart who works at a place. I forgot this called sheets and things. What's the parks and rec version of that meat and stuff, food and stuff. Yes. Food and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Food and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she's apparently, she's allegedly addicted to Pottery Barn and has racked up quite a bit of debt on that. They're trying to have a baby. She wants him to move on from high school and become an accountant. They do American Gothic puzzles together. These are some of the things we learn. We also learn that Mr. Shu thinks that if you just talk Spanish at high school kids and they say the words back at you, they will learn Spanish. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not how you learn a language. I mean, yes, you should practice as often as possible, but... If you had given me a pop quiz and said, what is... No, never in a million years. Never Spanish teacher. I would have said math teacher or gym teacher. And they they kind of make fun of that eventually because, like, you never hear about it. And then there's, like, an episode in season three where, um, like, Ricky Martin's in the episode. And he's, like, actually a good Spanish teacher. Oh my God, Ricky Martin's in this. And, I yeah, and Santana's, like is basically like you're a bad Spanish teacher and you just became one because it was the one job opening. And like this, like matter, like it matters to me that you're bad at teaching anything about my culture and you shouldn't be doing it. Wow. That's like literally what happens. And I completely forgot about that. So it takes them a while. Eventually they get there, but at first they're just like, he's a Spanish teacher and there's nothing wrong with that. And it makes sense. Well, back though, back to present episode, uh, we cut to the teacher's lounge 
where we learn that Sue Sylvester, a.k.a. one of the best characters we've ever had on television, has snatched up so much of the school budget for the Cheerios, um, who are amazing cheerleaders because they win nationals all the time, which made me think about cheer. And just a sidetrack, if you guys also saw Monica from Cheer is going to be on Dancing with the Stars this season. I digress. Um, Anyway, so, and I could see Sue Sylvester going on Dancing with the Stars if the opportunity uh, was given to her. So, but that they can no longer afford a coffee budget. This made me laugh out loud for the teachers. (laughs) Oh my God, you're losing it. It's literally weirdest and stupidest plot line like coffee is so cheap like you could buy like a, a whole thing of coffee for like ten dollars if that probably even cheaper in 2010 um so anyway their coffee budget has been taken so they can't even have a coffee pot even though the coffee maker is still there makes literally no sense and so sue comes in and she's like uh she's like you know i'm wearing my black adidas tracksuit, which i also have so perhaps i should have worn it for the recording i messed up and it's setting the stage for what we know is going to happen schuster sue sylvester not friends never going to be friends the cheerios and the glee club you, they can't mix it's like high school musical it's with miss when miss darbus and um the coach simply simply jocks and theater can't coexist and that's also when we meet emma who if she were in the pandemic right now would be the one surviving she clorox is everything she's wiping she's cleaning she's like i won't touch anything hats off to emma in 2010 you seemed crazy but in 2020 on the ball emma if you're listening leave us a voicemail please please i we'd like some of her supply and some of her tips so then we are introduced to none other than <laughs> Hannah and Becky's best friend, Rachel Berry, <laughs> a.k.a. Leah Michelle. Um, her entrance is like, I um, forgot, I forgot all about this. So the current choir teacher, who is not Mr. Shu, but is some guy named Sandy. Um, we see him like exhibiting probably inappropriate behavior towards a male student while they're singing together in the choir room. And like, Rachel appears in the hallway and there's like a close-up of her face, which like Glee did like all the time. And she's mad because she didn't get a solo that she wanted and she wants to be the star. And I don't think this um, comes from like a place of being morally sound, but she decides to get, she witnesses this and decides to get the choir teacher fired Uh, which she does. She goes to the principal. um, And that's how we're introduced to her. Like she's, she's scheming already to be the star. I think that at this point in the, during this episode, I was like, wow, Leah Michelle really got this right. Like she was playing Rachel Berry right in my opinion. I, and I, I noticed that only because I feel like it was actually very stark in terms of how she wasn't playing her the way I think this was originally envisioned with with that kind of like self-awareness by the end. But I think at first she was like being very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I thought when I was watching it. Okay. Totally but then great. what happens is that Mr. Shu takes over Glee because he talks to Principal Figgins about taking over as, and, and as a part, <laughs> as a part of his pitch, he says that kids feel invisible and that's why they all have MySpace pages. I mean, maybe. 
And then Fagan says that the Glee, Co- the Glee Club will cost him $60 a month to budget, which seems vaguely precise and not that high. Yes. Like, like where, well, I mean, it's interesting, you know, school budgets are interesting, but Becky is laughing really hard right now. She loves this like public school budgeting issues. And then she, he says that Mr. Shu has to pay that $60 a month until the Glee Club is prestigious enough that the school will pay, which is wild. But I know that that does happen where they make teachers pay. And then Mr. Shu agrees. And then he's like, what are we going to be called? The New Directions. And he's really proud of that idea. And I don't like Matthew Morrison. Well, and that's my take on that scene. I don't, I don't either. And I... And, like, one thing that I have to say about this scene is that, and probably this whole episode, but I think the pilot was filmed in 2008, and this feels like some adults in the industry in 2008, like, thinking this is what it is like to be a teen or, like, this makes sense. Would really, You know, like, MySpace wasn't, they all have MySpace pages in 2008? Like, I don't think so. And, like, they no. feel invisible, and that's why. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Not to harken back to Dancing with the Stars, but Matthew Morrison's ex-wife, Chrishell, will be on this season as well. She will. That's how, that's how Becky and I started talking about Glee, as we were talking about Selling Sunset, and then we were talking about Chrishell, and then Wait. we were talking about Matthew Morrison. They were married? Well, no, they were engaged. Yeah, literally in Selling Sunset, she goes, like, you can look up who I was engaged to. Like, Google it. Because she, like, I, I, she was like, I don't want to say anything bad about him. But, like, yeah, they were engaged. Oh my gosh, I love Chrishell, but that makes sense to me. She yes. has issues. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, my brain just broke. In this essay, I will argue. Um, okay, and back to back to Glee, where we were. And honestly, if Chrishell, I could see her even on Glee had she been maybe, I think she might have been a little too young for it, but totally would have been in it. So we're met then with auditions and mercedes sings aretha's respect which she's so good kurt sings mr cellophane honestly one of the saddest songs in the entire world a little pandemic uh a little i don't know i said pandemic pre-pandemic the last show i saw on broadway was erica jane in chicago and i saw it like literally like two weeks before uh, oh my goodness went on lockdown so mr cellophane really brings back a lot of feelings for me because it was the last time i saw you know, live theater, really. And then Erica Jane from Housewives is, she was great. Um, anyway, and then Tina, who is the 2009 Fox idea of goth, sings I Kissed a Girl. And Rachel, of course, her fan musical would be Les Mis, and she sings On My Own, um, and which we see her put gold stars next to her name as a metaphor for me being a star, which is, she's, uh, for a later date. And then she talks about her two gay dads, which you don't have to say gay. Her She has two dads. And it was something I, I think I noticed that was very 2008 and 9 to be like, my two gay dads. When, no, you just have two dads. Okay. And her MySpace schedule. The other thing that I loved about um, the Rachel, like, montage is then they do this effect where they're, like, flames and, like, her face, like, that, I don't know. You just have to see it. You'll just have to watch it. But anyway, yes, then we meet. We don't actually meet, but we see Quinn and Santana. And, like, I I love the Cheerios. So I love how, like, mean they are, but also endearing and redeeming eventually. 
Um, so they're like sitting on the, they're, they cut from Rachel recording a video on her MySpace page to Quinn and Santana and like a few other nameless Cheerios on the bleachers. And they have this like chunky Dell laptop. That was my family's laptop. That was like the first laptop we got. It was like a big deal. It was so chunky. It looks like a good one. And they are, they're literally going, ha, 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 leaving like troll comments on her MySpace page. Um, and they have no lines and it's iconic and uh, it's great. Oh my God. It was so iconic. I definitely at this point, I'm, you know, wondering how much they ever intended any of those people to be a key member, which I think we can speculate more wildly as the show develops, because then what happens is another iconic moment of Glee lore, Glee culture, which is we get our first on-screen slushy. Rachel gets anonymously slushied. You love to see it. And then you cut to the first Glee club rehearsal where we're laying more groundwork. Okay, so now Artie is there. They're sitting, sit, they're singing, sit down, you're rocking the boat. <laughs> it's supposed to be ironic because he can't stand, but Irony is tough. <laughs> and Rachel is mad about not having a solo. She stormed out. They are bad, and they name that they're bad. So that's helpful. Yeah, and it kind of it, it's good because there's nothing like watching a pilot of something like this or a movie of something that's earnest, and there's supposed to be something that's really amazing, and you as an audience member are like, am I supposed to think this is good because it sucks? And it was actually really great that, like, it was bad. They said it was bad. That was great. So then, right, of course, you get your, your first on-screen Rachel storm out. Mr. Shu gives her a pep talk about her talent. That's the only one he'll ever give her in the history of the show. Just kidding. And, and she says, they're like on the bleachers having this conversation, which is so weird. Like, why are they on the bleachers yeah. at like a football rehearsal? <laughs> Honestly, call it, call it what it is. Call it what it is. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's when she says, like, what I think is, like, the thesis of Glee. She's like, being part of something special makes you special. And it's like, okay, but you're the one who stormed out. So I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But there's definitely, that's, like, a thesis of Glee. And at this point, I was definitely thinking, and I think what happened a little bit later, I was like, okay, we actually get a lot of screen time for, like, a lot of the key players, right? We we talk about how, how Brittany and... And Santana are not are like really background people in these first few episodes, but Mercedes is there and Artie is there and and you know like Tina is there, but you don't get any development. They get lines, but no development, um, which is just interesting to me. And it feels like in some ways that was like a choice that they made early on and then had to deal with for the rest of the show that they just like never developed these like other core characters in the same way until until a while later. Back on the. Uh things that are fucked up train uh we cut that are horrible train this is (laughs) horrible i didn't remember this at all we cut to shoe mr shoe and he's visiting his wife at cheats and things who apparently can only work four hours a day because she gets to you know she lives a busy life ordering things in a pottery barn and so mr she runs into sandy who is now setting selling medical marijuana good for Sandy, very ahead of the times, um, which to Mr. Shu and his fucking stuck up wife makes him a quote unquote criminal, which we'll leave that. Um, 
And so Emma, you know, good old Emma gives Mr. Shu a pep talk about Glee Club, encouraging him to get the popular kids to join, popular in quotes here, um, to join kids do what they think is cool, which is not necessarily who they are, which I also think is a thesis for Mm -hmm. what they think high school is like, (laughs) which I don't know if that's necessarily true and like who said I hate this like I don't know you guys may my football was like not a thing at my high school so I like don't like we had a football team but, like I wouldn't necessarily say, say those were like the cool kids nor were the cheerleaders so I always hate this like stupid uh dichotomy but I guess maybe this is what real middle America high schools are are really like and that class structure exists yeah this was true for my high school Becky what you were describing and Hannah's as well um in that the football team was incredibly bad we had a great like basketball team and stuff like that the cheerleaders weren't Kobe Kobe um not like when we were there but (laughs) not we were there but like when we were all around us when we were there just not physically um and the cheerleaders also right weren't really a thing in the way they are here or they the way they are portrayed in high schools and even like I feel like uh I probably shouldn't say this because I don't know, but I also felt like bullying wasn't really a thing in the way that it is portrayed. Like I felt like my high school class was nice and there really just wasn't a lot of that. So maybe yeah, that's why because I, the football kids weren't cool did not mean that the theater kids were cool because we were not. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. We were and, in our own special way, but we were not. Yeah. yeah. Also um, the idea that like all these people can sing and they just like didn't have the outlet. It's like, I wonder how many, like, football players there were that went to my high school that were like, oh, but, like, the theater kids are weird, which was definitely true. I was not one of them. But, like, because when we caught it dead. It is interesting. <laughs> but, like, how many of them like, are sitting there? Do they not have a theater department at the school? That's do they ever talk of, about that? That's what it seems like. Um, yeah. They basically yeah. never talk about it. And one thing that bothered me at the time, I was not a theater person, which is maybe why I, like, gravitate more towards the characters who weren't but I also yeah they didn't have like a theater program I don't think but they also I was I was a music person I was in jazz bands and in this episode and a lot of episodes I'm like the instrumentalists are doing so much (laughs) and they are also wallpaper and they're just like oh yeah yeah, can you get the jazz band to like (laughs) yeah whatever roll up here like unrehearsed and and but the, the jazz band kids were the real losers, Mimi. So they they were not 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 in my high school, um, but they were in in, the, Please, in William McKinley sure in William McKinley High School. They were, I was bitter about that. I was like, this is incorrect. Um, anyway, speaking of jocks, <laughs> um, there are like a million scenes in Glee where Sue is like wearing an adidas tracksuit in her office and making like a like an office smoothie like she's just like there's no coffee budget but like sue can just like make all these smoothies um and she starts talking to will about like the high school cast system which we're basically talking about and he ignores her he's like i'm gonna get some cool kids into this glee club and i'm gonna do it in the worst way possible which is to like go into the boys locker room like right before or after football practice and approach all of them at once. Um, what did he think? I'm not, I'm, I'm just not sure. 
I, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so then we meet Puck and Finn and Puck is like the worst as he tends to be. He's like, like Mr. She's like, you know, like he tries to approach them. He's like, does anyone like to sing? Can anyone sing? Like we're starting this glee club and Puck's like, yeah, I can sing. And then he just like farts and, and like high fives people. And it's like the worst. But then Mr. Shu, another iconic scene, here's Finn singing Ario Speedwagons Can't Fight This Feeling in the shower. It's hard for me to watch Puck and the actor that plays him because it's sad that he is dead in real life too, but it's also extremely and deeply problematic, all the problems, like real trauma that he had and then inflicted on others and... I think in my rewatch of it, like his character is also so awful that it makes it even harder to watch him because it's harder, it's harder for me to separate the two, like the character that he plays and the person that he was in my mind. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, it's something that is horrible about this show. And part of what instigated our rewatch is that three of the core characters are dead and that's really a tough period and something that, you know, we just lost Chadwick Boseman and it's like another reminder of how huge it can feel when a celebrity dies, like what that does for a person who's never met them. And all of that is so complicated and so tragic. And then you add that other layer to him where you can't just have, you know, Corey Monty, the Naya Rivera, like, I just want to, I want to hug them. I want to hug everybody they knew. I want to like, like that's, and it's really sad in that way. And this is, yeah, it's a different way of like trying to dissect and having all three of those dynamics and the dynamic that Leah Michelle is horrible. Like all the things we know now, it does make it like really loaded to watch. Yeah. Especially given the news about Leah Michelle and then Naya Rivera this year, because you can see that the other cast members like also struggle with this because when Mark Salling died, like they didn't, most of them didn't say anything. And if they did, if they were Matthew Morrison and they did say something, they got flack for it. Whereas like what, what they had to say about. Oh, I didn't know that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. So what Corey, when Corey Monteith passed away and now Naya Rivera, like they're um, the way, yeah, the way they memorialized them was like so specific like so well done and just like so specific to them because they Mm. knew them in person and like just like glowing um and it's completely different but it is weird to see all these dynamics and I kind of felt like with Puck for me it's like a little it's hard to watch him but I'm like at least he wasn't a good character ever that's true because that would also be disappointing like that's true that's really true. I never liked him and so the fact that he's horrible is horrible but it doesn't take away anything I liked about this show if that makes sense but I yeah he's hard to watch and I think he gets like less airtime as time goes on which is a good thing did you know that um Naya's um like the date the the official date of her death is the same date as Corey's I just learned that today the day she um the day of her death was a few days before but the day that they found her yeah yeah, it's like, day. and that's the day that's like on her death certificate, I guess, even though they know that she was like, she yeah. was dead earlier. I don't really understand that, but it's seven years to the day. 
Yeah. And the Glee cast was at the lake when they found her. Minus Leah Michelle. Minus Leah Michelle. The Glee cast was like at the lake, like she was still missing and they went to the lake to like pray and be together. And that's when they found her. Oh my goodness. I knew they were together. I didn't realize that was literally then. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's a complicated, it's a complicated thing. It's like a, it's a very strange, very sad thing. Um, but yeah. We talk about something that isn't complicated at all, which is yes. that Mr. Shoe. <laughs> here's here's what's un, here's what's uncomplicated. A teacher at the high school, Mr. Shoe, overhears Finn singing in the shower, and he's like, "Wow, he's a good singer." And then he decides he's gonna like make him join the Glee Club, and the way he does this is he plants weed in his locker and frames him and then like threatens to get him kicked out of school and like maybe sent to prison. And he's like, you can either join the Glee club or you can have six weeks of detention and it's going to go in your permanent record and you may not go into college. And then there's like a flashback where Finn's, you know, Finn's dad died when he was young and like he has this musical background and he wants to make his single mom proud. And so he's like, of course I'm going to join the Glee club. Like, this is the only thing I can do. Um, this is crazy. Um, but in when he talks about his musical background, it's basically like his mom had a thing with this the Emerald Dreams guy who was like this lawn care guy. It's so strange. But it's like he learns all these, and Glee has more of this at first, like all these like classic rock songs. It's much more about that at first before it started catering more to Top 40. So there's a lot of that. So then we cut to um, rehearsal with Finn. Rachel could not be more thrilled. She finally has the male lead that she wants. And they sing, Grease, you're the one that I want. Um, she literally pushes Artie out of the way <laughs> to get to Finn. And he, like, goes flying in his wheelchair. And then they're just, like, so that's horrible. And then there are a lot of, like, other bad things. Like, they have, like Hannah was saying, where all of the characters except for a few of them, are one-dimensional, even if they have screen time. Um, They just have Mercedes saying things like, hell to the no, and you better bring it, and other catchphrases that they decided a Black person should say. And it's, like, very clear that there was no Black person on the premises when they wrote the script, (laughs) like, not in, like, a five-mile radius. Yep. But then, despite those weird catchphrases, Glee Club is, like, starting to come together they're starting to find their voice they're getting a little confident and then they go see vocal adrenaline okay so basically what happens is that finn starts making excuses for missing football he tells puck that his mom needs to get her prostate removed or checked out or something and emma has a crush on will and coach ken of the football team is obsessed with emma and won't stop pursuing her basically licks the yeah basically licks the door handle of her car when she turns him down it's like disgusting on many levels no 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 i have no i have no words i have i'm literally without words (laughs) (laughs) mr shu and emma take the glee club on a trip which is you know emma's obsessed with mr shu so she signs up to be a, a chaperone to spy on a rival club which is vocal adrenaline who won regionals last year and rachel sends says to finn that People in the club will expect them to become an item. She's like, you, the hot male lead, and me, the stunning young ingenue everyone roots for, which, like, I thought that was funny. 
I like that. But he's dating Quinn, presidency, president of the celibacy cl- club. And then they cut to a scene of them making out until Quinn pulls back and says, wait, let's pray. This is kind of interesting as that plot develops more. Um, yeah. But vocal adrenaline sings rehab and it has a kind of like choreography that makes it absolutely impossible for them all to sing well. Like they were all throwing someone or being thrown by someone for a lot of this performance. But the vocals are just incredibly steady. And the Glee Club is like, we're fucked. And I am like, did you actually think you were going to win nationals with like five people and the song, You're the One That I Want? Like, did you really need this kind of... But yes, it is a kick in the butt for them. It's like you haven't even met Darian Chris's character yet. And like, you're obviously going to lose. <laughs> but we circle back to Mr. Shu because for whatever fuck's sake's reason, this pilot decided to focus on him so much. His wife informs him that she is, in fact, pregnant. Is she, though? And he's so happy, but he decides to leave teaching. Sorry, this plot line just gets me. He decides to leave teaching to become an accountant because, sure, why not? Um, I don't know if you're all on TikTok, but there's a really good, well, it's not even from TikTok, but it's some Shit's Creek, which I actually don't watch. But it's the, no one asks me what I do because I'm an accountant. I just tell him I'm an accountant. And he's like, that clip plays. So now I think of that. And so he tells the Glee Cub, being an adult is about making difficult choices, giving up things you love. And so alone in the auditorium, he picks up, <laughs> sorry, everything he does just makes me laugh. <laughs> picks up, I have tears in my eyes, and sings Leaving on a Jet Plane by John Dever, Denver, a montage with Emma drawing a heart surround him in a yearbook, Will filling out the form by writing accountant in one line. And Emma makes an appointment at the career center. Emma's career center meeting is her showing Mr. Shu a video of himself at 1993 Nationals. So happy and convincing him to stay. Also because she has a crush on him. Obviously a psycho manipulative bitch. Like, sorry, not bitch. That was wrong of me. But like, she's a little questioning her motives. Uh, when we say he needs to provide for his kid, she says, provide what exactly? The understanding that money is the most important thing or the idea that the only life worth living is one where you're really passionate about. Something about this false dichotomy or being forced to go vaguely into accounting and not addressing anything structural about budgets or safety feels very 2009. I mean, we were in a recession, but we were living so our lives, ladies. We were out there. We were pursuing our dreams. Obama was president. We've never met Donald Trump. Like, recession, Obama could lead us through. Like, lead the Greek of, spend that $60 a month. Like, win now. Live a life that you're really passionate about. You're not even going to have a kid anyway, but you don't know that yet. Like, it's all it's all on you. Like, it's all on what you're going to do individual. individually, and you just need to be inspired, and we're not going to talk about any structural issues, and we're not even, no. like, not doing that ironically. We're just doing it because it's 2009. Yep. Oh and we can. Eyes are stinging from laughing so hard. <laughs> then we're at this point where Finn is now struggling with whether whether. Finn is now struggling with whether or not to stay in the Glee Club because he is not being blackmailed anymore by his Spanish teacher. And Rachel pops up at his locker and is like, I'm the director now. And then Quinn and Santana glide up and Quinn is like, hi, Finn. Hi, RuPaul. And it's like, excuse, like what is that? I'm, that's offensive to everyone who's ever been a person. 
And then to Finn, she's like, Christ Crusaders are tonight at 5 p.m. my house. And they just glide off. But then he sees Puck and the boys. And they're locking Artie in a porta potty. And Finn is like, no, this is my guy. I'm going to save him. I'm going to do Glee. Adam with a two football. And then he's like, I'm so sorry, Glee Club. I'm really sorry. I'm back. And then they come back. And then they go to rehearsals. And Mimi, how you were talking earlier about how Mercedes with her catchphrases was like, wow, they did not have any black writers. There was also like a moment when he's, where he's like, okay, Artie, you're going to do this. Like, you know, you're going to do that. And he's like, it's supposed to be very inspirational. And he's like, Mercedes, can you do costumes? And she's like, damn, look what I got on. And it's like, she would have just been like, yes. Yep. I got it. Like, yes, sure. I, I like fashion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was really excessive. But, but now everything's going to be good. But you know why, Hannah, everything is good? You know when things are good in a show, when you cue to the iconic, don't stop believing, see in the auditorium. All six of these Glee members. Oh, man, that really gets me. I honestly can't see. My eyes are stinging from laughing so hard. Uh, you, know the, you know the part where they're like, Jada. Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh in a smoky room. Uh, they're all wearing their red shirts, so you know it's about to go down. Acapella, obviously. Rachel and Finn are extremely cute here. Mr. Shu overhears because he's fucking what wandering around the school. I don't know, like in the boys' locker room, like he always is, like, like a weirdo over here, walks in and he's like, Oh, is this for me? And sees them performing and he starts to cry. Because he's like, wow, I love the power of Glee. Pan to Sue, Quinn, and Santana all on the balcony scowling at them because they're just jealous. Little do we know that Santana and Quinn can sing. What are the odds? And then Puck is also scowling from the doorway because he too can sing and he wants to join. And they're all supposed to be evil. But why were they there? Like, another musical, at least they, when they get everybody in the auditorium, there's like a logic for why they got everyone there. Here, it's just like Puck is in the auditorium in the back being like, I'm mad. And like Sue Sylvester and Quinn and Santana are like, I'm mad. And Mr. Shu is like, I'm back. Yeah, it's not, it's not clear if they, like, we see that Mr. Shu, like, overhears, like, he's in the hallway, and he's like, what's that? Yeah. Um, like Becky said, but I, we don't know how the other ones get there, so I'm like, were Sue and Quinn and Santana, because they're villains, like, were they, like, on the balcony the whole time, or did they also hear? It seems like Puck, like, also overheard, but it's unclear that they're, it's, right. like, weird that they're all watching, but they're it's just setting them up. TV. There's, my, yeah, yeah. In my mind, they've been rehearsing this quite often. And so from the hallways and stuff, they've heard Ooh. this. And that's why they wander in. And plus, like, they all have it out for the Glee Club. They want to be in it, but they don't want to admit it. So that's how we get the iconic scene. It is a great scene. performance. It's, it's, it's great. really beautiful. Yeah, it's really... Um, Made me feel something again. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah. that's it. Lights yeah. out. That's it. Lights out. That's the end. And um, like, that's a lot to take in. I mean, the other episodes we do are going to be shorter because this lays a lot of groundwork and it is a longer episode. It's a longer episode too. Um, But, but I think that it sounded like, I mean, there have been a lot of like Glee TikToks uh, in quarantine 
And I think it sounds like a lot of people were kind of like rewatching it. And uh, one of the criticisms that I've seen is that like this big dilemma that Mr. Shu has is something that like is not a real dilemma because his wife's not actually pregnant. Um, right. But we don't learn that for many months. So, That's a little bit of classic thing of like they want to introduce like like at first they were like, let's have an actually interesting choice. And then it's like, actually, let's just be drama which those two things often serve each other, but sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's do a superlative for that episode. So um, hmm. let's do a superlative for this episode, and let's do who was the best behaved and who was the worst behaved mm. character in this episode. I feel like Artie should get something. Artie was very funny when he was being bullied <laughs> to me and was very sweet, um, was a little bit, um, I think that he had like no agency in this episode where he actually does in the future and as a human, but I thought he was very well behaved. In terms of worst behaved, Puck is like obvious because he farted in front of everyone, but I think Mr. Shu was the worst behaved. For sure. You would. You're not supposed to plant weed on a student and blackmail them into singing classic rock songs with you every day at four. And also to listen to him sing in the shower. Yeah. No. Get out of the shower. I was going to say that I thought Artie's Artie's a good one. I was going to say that I thought like Mercedes and Finn. I feel like Finn tolerated a lot in this episode. I think the worst for me were Mr. Shu and Coach Ken because he like licked the um Emma's Emma's car door handle. Yeah. Bad. So Becky, what do you think? I mean, Mr. Shu is always on my my worst list. I also think his wife is pretty much up there too. Mm. And I think that um Finn really always he's just blissfully unaware. So he's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just kind of feel bad for him. Yeah. yeah, that's real. But then he gets suckered into dating Rachel. Well, I guess he kind of does it to himself, but. <laughs> so much changes and yet so little changes in the 17 yes. episodes. It's in between. That. But yes. Mimi, tell us what we missed. Okay, so we're going to, here's what you missed on Glee. So, <laughs> so um, we're going to go through this quickly. And then we're going to go through the next episode quickly. But we just didn't want to do only one season episode that's the pilot because because pilots are weird. So we wanted to, like, see what else is going on in the season before we move on to the next season. So a lot, Glee has a lot of plot holes. It has a lot of one-offs. I already forget everything that I learned when I watched this a couple months ago. Um, But the main things is that, like, um, some of the characters we get to know later, like Mike, Puck, Quinn, Santana, Brittany who isn't in the pilot, are all further introduced and they join the Glee Club. Then Quinn finds out she's pregnant with Puck's baby, but she's dating Finn and she's in the celibacy club and it's it becomes common knowledge and it also becomes common knowledge that Terry, Will's wife, is actually not pregnant. She thought she was and then she like hid the fact that she was not. Glee Club is doing great. It makes it past sectionals. Um, like Puck and Santana are like sort of a thing. Rachel's in a love triangle triangle with Finn, like dating with Finn and Jesse of Vocal Adrenaline, who is Jonathan Groff. 
Jonathan Grant. My, awakening? Okay, my yeah. other friend. Our other best yes, friend. Yes, your other, your other best friend. She's in a love triangle. Your two best friends are in a love triangle <laughs> with Corey Monteith. Um, <laughs> and then Mercedes and Kurt have also joined the Cheerios. I had to remind myself of this to sing in competitions because they don't get solos in Glee Club because Rachel is getting all the solos. Makes sense. And it makes sense. And then the last thing is that um, Finn's mom and Kurt's dad, who's also single, get into a relationship and it's really cute and sweet, I think. And I love it. And that's what you missed on Glee. Okay. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So now we're on episode 18. We're on episode 18 and then we're going to move on to another meaningful episode next time from season two. This episode is called Laryngitis. And it's like very random. Um, so and it's random. Gonna, it's going to be easy to recount because there are like three separate storylines that don't intersect at all except thematically. And the theme is that everyone is losing their voice and the Glee Club has lost its voice slash identity. Oh, yeah. So, that is a theme. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I really didn't. I don't know. I've heard, I, I, I feel like... Um, it's easy to be like, wait, like no one actually has laryngitis, but it's like that's not. Rachel does. No, she has like tonsillitis. Like she can oh. still talk and stuff. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's true. Okay, so here's so here's what's going on. Here are like the main catalysts for this episode. Puck. This episode has a lot of puck in it, and I'm really sorry, um, but that's just what it is. So Puck's doctor shaves off his like gross mohawk to remove a mole um, and everyone notices and they hate his buzzed head, even though he objectively looks better with it. So he walks from the choir room and Brittany who like um, much like Santana, like doesn't is like one dimensional at this point, but is also funny. She like whispers in her deadpan way. She's like, who is that guy? Uh, Santana's like grossed out by him. Nerds throw him in a dumpster. He's no longer popular. He's like, he's like lost his popular magic. So he decides to pursue Mercedes now she's in the Cheerios and he is very like, he says things like blacks and Jews have a history of sticking up for each other. Just like things that <laughs> you just don't need to say. She's like, I, I don't like this. Like you're top 40. I'm rhythm and blues. That's also not something that like fully makes sense to me. Um, but she's just not, she, Glee's not great with race and Mercedes does not like Puck. Um, the other thing that happens is that Rachel sort of loses her voice. Like she tells Mr. Shu that no one else in the Glee Club is singing, which is really weird. And like never happens another time, but apparently like no one's singing in rehearsal. She patches the room with the help of Lauren Zeises, who becomes a main character or not a main character, a character later. There's this like absurd montage where she patches the room and listens to hear if anyone's singing and realizes that she's the only one singing and everyone else is lip singing, which like, how could you not tell that in the moment? That's such a weird, um, like suspend disbelief moment. 
Right. So <laughs> Hannah, Hannah just highlighted something. Um, no, why, like, why is it, so why does she not realize that no one else is singing until she patches the room? And then why is everyone suddenly, like, not wanting to sing anymore? Like, it's their favorite thing so to weird. do. It's their favorite thing to do. So she tells Mr. Shu about this, who also apparently didn't realize, like, no one was singing. <laughs> and he confronts them, and he's like, guys, what's going on here? And Finn's like, all the male lead parts are now going to Jesse. Santana's like, my job here is to look hot, which is an iconic line. Quinn says that baby hormones are making her moody. And Brittany says there are so many lyrics, which you can't really argue with that. Um, so he makes them. So basically he's like, all right, you guys are each going to do a song this week representing how you see yourselves in your life right now, because the Glee Club has lost its voice. And then, yeah, then there are three storylines um, that each of us will take you through. So let's do it. So some people have lost their voice and there will be lessons to be learned from this. Okay, so let's take the Kurt and very bizarrely Brittany storyline first and go through the entire episode of this, of this storyline. So Kurt's dad, Bert, which I didn't remember that this Kurt and Bert, um, starts spending more time with Finn and bonding, doing like guy stuff apparently. So Kurt feels left out and decides that he wants to become more straight, especially after Sue tells him that he's too young to know what he is because he's never kissed anyone. In particular, she's like, so you like show tunes. That doesn't mean you're gay. That just means you're awful, which is funny, but also missing the point. So he's like, okay, I'll try to be straight. So to bond with his dad, he decides to take on a John Mellencamp song, Pink Houses, the John Mellencamp Pink Houses persona thinking it's about bold interior design, even though it's clearly about how the American dream is, is fake and unattainable. And he sings that song in Glee. It's very strange. He, it adds, like, it is actually, like, not pleasant to watch. Like, I know it's not supposed to be pleasant, but I, like, really didn't like it. It's really, it's, like, it's purpose, really hard but, to watch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even, like, ironically good. It was just, like, not good. It's, um, everyone looks increasingly confused and alarmed, except for Brittany, who is vibing hard. She tells him that she's made out with every guy at school except him because she thought he was gay. But now that he's not, she's like, having a perfect record would mean a lot to me. So Kurt and Brittany make out in his basement. I, I didn't remember any of this. He asks her what boys' lips taste like. Oh, that was a sweet. And she says, usually dip. <laughs> and then Bert, Kurt's dad, interrupts because Kurt left a note on the door that said, do not enter under any circumstances. I'm making out with a girl. And is now pretending to have tepid, heterosexual fun. That's so and sad. And Bert tells him, Bert is like, just be who you are. Let me know when you make up your mind. Use protection. And Brittany is like, does he mean like a burglar alarm? Which I found not funny because her best friend is pregnant and she says that she has a lot of sex. So I found that stressful. But anyway, then Bert still wants to spend time with Finn. So Kurt is upset again because he's like, I did all of this. And then he performs. This was so good. I loved, loved this number. He performs Rose's Turn, which is from Gypsy, in the auditorium. He ditches the straight boy getup. He's now wearing a neckerchief, plaid pants, high boots. Bert comes in to watch. I don't know why. He tells him that he had, you know, Bert's like, yeah, I had other dreams for our father-son relationship. 
but Kurt, your job is to be yourself. And Bert, and my job is to love him, love you no matter what. It's, it's very sweet. touching. It's very well, it's, it's Parts of it is kind of missing, but yeah, it's very sweet. And this might be the moment that got Mike O'Malley nominated for an Emmy. Absolutely. Very interested in that. So all in all, it's a very weird storyline. I think it's nice because it ends with this great number of roses turn, but is um, overall not super memorable. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, like it sounds like that scene where he's like, your job is to be yourself and my job is to love you was an important one. And I just love Mike O'Malley. Like I forgot how much I love him. Mike O'Malley, who plays Bert. I just think he's great. I think that was a really, a really um, pivotal episode because it's always important even now to have like models for how, not just how to come out, but how to be the person on the receiving end of learning, you know, about your loved one and like how to um, step up to the plate in a way that is like, you know, affirming and supportive and loving. It's not something that people should need a script for, but we have learned that they do. And I think that's probably why this scene was so impactful for so many. And I'm sure a lot of parents watched it and were like, oh, you mean that's what I could have said? Okay, got it. Yeah. And it's interesting that it doesn't happen right away that they let him take a journey. Um, but I could, yeah, I think that's why the scene was so big for so many. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that Glee does badly, but I do think one of the things that it does do well is, like, the coming out story and, like, handling at least Kurt's character maybe in this season. I on it don't really remember what happens later on, but um, I thought they did they handled this pretty well, as opposed to what Mimi will talk about next. Yes, they and they handle they handle more later, I think. Um, and I and I do think that scene was great, like for as as a coming out scene, but also like it's the kind of thing that can map onto other issues that a kid might be having, and it's a good like blueprint of like, right? Parents' job is to help and love their kid and let them be who they are, like whatever the thing is that they're going through. Um, okay, so the next storyline. Uh, centers around Puck and Mercedes and like kind of Santana. Um, Puck is pursuing Mercedes. Like he doesn't, he's not popular anymore. And it's like a huge problem. He sings Sammy Davis Jr. is the lady is a tramp. He brings the jazz band in. It's like chaotic. Everyone is loving it. Everyone is like, this is lit. Except for Santana who realized that realizes that he's singing to Mercedes and she just becomes like, enraged and like this thing she does in season one a lot before she's like a real character she just like she just like does this like perma scowl like fixes her face into a scowl and uh she does that for the whole performance and mercedes like starts she's into it she's singing with him she decides she kind of likes him so she tells quinn later because she's like hey like i know you're pregnant with his child but like i (laughs) want to pursue something with him and Quinn's like I'm cool with this like I am not into Puck that whole thing was a mistake but I am worried for your safety because Santana is going to come for you so um Puck starts to date Mercedes and he like notices nerds becoming afraid of him again as he's dating a cheerleader um Santana is like kind of into him again like makes eyes at him while he's like walking past Mercedes notices all of this and this kicks off the first of many iconic Mercedes and Santana duets, which are were always like one of my favorite my favorite numbers on the shows were when they did duets. I just think they were great together. 
and they sing The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. And it's iconic. It begins with them. The song in general begins with a phone call. So it begins with them having like 2010 phones. Like there's like a Blackberry and like a slider phone moment. And they're like, hey, like, I just want to let you know he's mine. Um, And then they sing in the, yeah, they sing in the choir room and it's like, it's great. Um, And then they they almost get into a physical fist fight, which I don't love. Um, But Mr. Shu intervenes. Puck like loves all of this. And he's like, great. I'm popular again. I'm going to start throwing nerds in the dumpster and I'm not going to learn anything from this entire experience. And then Mercedes is like, I am going to learn something, which is that like, I don't like him because I don't like the way he treats people. And I don't really want to be one of the Cheerios. So I'm going to leave. Um, and she tells Sue, she's like, I'm not going to perform anymore. I'm leaving the Cheerios. I'm not doing that Mariah Carey number um, at nationals. And Sue is like, what am I going to do? I guess I'll do a diatribe about immigrants instead. You know, which is interesting. I think it was meant to be, you know, satirical and kind of funny, but now it's like, oof, no. So that's the end of that one. Which leads us to my girl, Rachel and Finn. Um, So after losing her voice, her singing voice, I should say she can still talk. uh, Rachel performs the climb and by performs is she doesn't, she doesn't do well. She sings pretty tone deaf. It's such a missed opportunity to nail the climb on Glee, which I would have loved that cover, but it's okay. Yeah. It is a plot forward. It's fine. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's an important song because it's supposed to be like, oh, she can overcome anything. Like it's the climb, but actually she can't fucking sing right now. She sounds horrible. And I actually imagine for Leah Michelle, it probably was very hard for her to actually sing badly because she, I don't know if she's perfect pitch, but she does... Uh, I have a really good voice. Um, so Finn being the nice, loyal, they're not boyfriend and girlfriend here. Apparently, Rachel, I forgot about this weird plot line, has some like boyfriend at another glee club. I don't know why she wouldn't drop everything to Finn, but well, she's a weirdo. What can I say? Uh, Finn accompanies Rachel to the doctor as she freaks out and is prescribed antibiotics for tonsillitis. And this is when Finn is like, why don't you date me? And she's like, Ann! and he sings Jesse's girl in Glee Club, of course, um, when he uh, when he plays the drums, although there is another drummer, which is weird. Same thing about the jazz band comment when like they clearly have like a full orchestra, but like, yeah, make the people pretend to play instruments. Anyway, later, Finn sees Rachel chaotically drifting through the halls, the bowl of Cheerios and a tea bag <laughs> hanging out of it. Forgot about that. Um and she's upset because singing is her, Glee Club is her life. Like, she loves to sing. And what if she never gets her voice back? She has no purpose. And, you know, she's just, like, going on a, a whole anxiety spiral. And honestly, Finn is such a good guy. Finn's like, you think your life is tough? I'm going to introduce you to my friend who's paralyzed from the neck down. Like, shut the fuck up, Rachel. Um, I don't know if that's exactly how he makes it seem. But he's wearing a football jersey which she loves sports and says to Finn, like, is this the hottie you were telling me about? And it's very weird and sad. And he offers his perspective. He tried to drown himself in his wheelchair, which is like so sad. And now he used to be angry, but now he realizes that life is about other things and math and singing. And Rachel is like, 
okay, but like, I still can't sing. I know she doesn't say that, but like, that's honestly what I expect her like self-absorbed girl, like walk out of that and be like, yeah, that was sad. But like, what about me? I still can't sing. So then afterwards, you know, when she starts to be able to sing again, obviously, because she didn't fucking lose her voice. Um, she goes back to his house to thank him. Yet he is still paralyzed. Just going to note that <laughs> it's a lifelong thing for him. And as an aside, he is, is an actor that is actually paralyzed. And was I looked up on where he is today. And he was, he's on the X Factor on YouTube. So you should check him out. Um, he's very talented. Anyway, he goes back. You know what his name is? Yeah, it's like Zach Weinstein or something. Cool. Something Jewish. Great. Um, anyway, he's a baby, which I thought was great. I wanted to know more, actually. Just had a baby. We're very happy for you, Mazel Tov. Um, So he goes back, and she goes back, and she's like, but I can teach you how to sing now because my voice is back. And (laughs) it's true. He is shirtless. Um, I'm thinking about the scene now. Don't know why, but he's shirtless. Maybe he was getting a bath, or she was getting a bath. I don't know. And that's when they start to sing my all-time favorite Glee cover, one by you two. Leave us a voicemail if you also love this song and you love this cover. And then we're back with the whole Glee Club and they're all singing it and they're wearing matched cuff short sleeve denim buttons up and dark jeans. And it is so honestly so good. Pause and go listen to it. You'll cry. You'll feel real tears. Like listen to the full extended version. Don't listen to the one that aired. Listen to the whole three minutes and 27 seconds. Like it'll, it'll give you feelings again. It will boost your serotonin level. I have to say, I loved this. I was glad you, you, you know, alerted us to it, but I did not even, I did not remember this cover, like even a little bit. It was one of the, and I remember a lot of Glee covers. This did not make an impact on me. You know, I, I was rattling my brain for why it's made such an impact on me. And I honestly don't, it's, uh, Sorry, there's context here and that when we were talking about doing a Glee cover, a Glee rewatch, I had mentioned this song as like my absolute favorite Glee cover and right. them watch it, which is why we're watching this episode. Um, I don't know. I really don't know why. I'm not even a big U2 fan, but I you just like the song. Corey, I think wow. that Corey and Leah's voice on it is just like beautiful and it's great. Um, and it's really sad because all Sean really wants to do is sing. And so it clips at the end with him, like singing with Leah alone in the bed. So lights out. It sounds to me from what I've just learned that, um, the main thing that Rachel and Sean have in common is that the actors that play them both had children like just now, that seems to be like the only thing that they actually have in common. Yeah, they don't really give any resolve to Sean. We, like, never see him again if he's, like, quote-unquote Finn's friend. If they talk that often that, like, he would know who the hottie was, like, that Rachel, who Rachel was, like, we never see him again. Yeah, it just seems like a weird, really serious character to bring in to give her, like, a little perspective on not being able to sing for a few days. Like, I just feel like they could have used another character who's already... Um, in there, or Artie. like some other plot device, Artie's Artie. in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like if that was the plot line that you were going for, and like, does she gain perspective upon knowing like the way she carries on future? But I guess we'll have to take it to season two and see. We will, we will. Um, and I just want to say too that, um, the song One by U2 
is indeed on the Red album that was non-consensually <laughs> downloaded to everyone's like iPad or iTunes. Um, so okay. there's that, but it is a great cover that I didn't remember either. And I felt like I remembered a lot too, but I kind of love, I think that, um, yeah, I think that Finn and Rachel, their voices are great for that kind of like classic rock stuff. I really ship Finn and Rachel though, like in a weird way. Like I kind of love them <laughs> together because he really grounds her. Like he's just like, I, don't spoil for me because I truthfully don't really remember what happens about him. I mean, besides the real life stuff, but I think he like really grounds, grounds her on the show and like gives a side of her where you're like, not this like annoying um, opportunist, like self-absorbed girl. She like becomes a little bit more real. Yeah, I think so too. I think, I think that's exactly right. Um, it's what dating a jock does, you know? It really grounds you. It really just makes you come down to earth and become a better person. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Um, I think so too. So, okay. For this, for this episode to do a superlative and then we'll save the other two for the next episodes we do, or maybe we'll have time to do more of them then. But for this one, like, let's talk about fever dreams because a lot of people say like Glee was a fever dream. I've heard it described that way several times over the years um, since it aired. And like, whatever that means to you, I would like to know what is the best evidence in this episode that Glee was in fact a fever dream after all, and not a real thing that happened. This is a really good question for this episode, because the fact that this episode actually has very little like substantive plot, points that move the show forward really makes me feel like wow how much of my life did I spend watching these these episodes that like did nothing for my brain I am not really sure how to interpret Fever Dream but I would say I would I think that the fact that Kurt has to kiss girls and sing John Mellencamp but then ending on a gypsy song Mm-hmm. feels like a fever dream to me yeah yeah i also think the puck's line about jews and blacks feels like a fever dream to me because also is his character being jewish like a, a thing as a plot line in the yeah like every once in a while it definitely was yeah it's like a trope occasionally yeah i mean lee loves loves its tropes yeah, it really, every, everyone is here. Everyone gets a seat at the table, whatever that means. Um, and everyone is something. Yeah. You Rachel has two dads. Some people are more than others, but everyone is something. And that is all that matters. And that's it. That's yeah. the fungly. It's like almost like Degrassi, where it's like everyone has a problem. Literally no one there does not have a problem, like an insane earth shattering problem. Yeah, and that's why it's like, um, you know, there are very few characters that are that get to have like complicated personalities and storylines. Um, and we'll see more of that in season two and three when they develop them more. But can't wait. Um, it's going to be great. But for me, the fever dream is just like the montage where Rachel is wiretapping the choir room <laughs> because I was just oh like, oh my God. And she's like sitting with headphones and there's like, all of this equipment, like AV equipment. Yeah. And she's just like 
hearing her own voice and being and like but not hearing it in person it just doesn't make any sense and I realized that like the show doesn't need to make sense but I just thought that was like a funny wild yeah great all right well that's what you missed on Glee so that is that is like essentially season one it's a lot of setting everything up um a lot of people really like the first season because it is I think kind of like self-aware it's not my favorite one because it's just like too focused on people that I don't like that much mostly Mr. Shu but that is kind of the deal like very 2009 2010 it ends with don't write on my parade and you can't always get what you want which is an iconic medley yeah yeah beautiful so um next time we're going to talk about the other two high school seasons well we'll have an episode about season two and another about season three and um we will let you know what episodes those are going to be beforehand in case you feel like watching along and have something to say and want to say it in a voicemail specifically or or in another way but a voicemail would just be great it would just be great because the glee club has lost its voice and (laughs) i think we'll announce what um episodes we're watching on Instagram stories. So follow yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. So that is our show. Um, we'll see you soon for the next episode in the mini series. And again, if you're not subscribed, please do that. Rate and review us on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, listen to the B sides where we will just provide more content period. So, you know, just look out for all that Um, and the Facebook group at bit.ly slash besides FB group. And that's it. Any other thoughts, Hannah, Becky? And that's what you missed on Glee. Definitely subscribe. I know a lot of our listeners aren't actually subscribed. We have that hashtag analytics that can tell us that. This is a great time to subscribe because season two is dropping on October 14th. And when we drop, we come out every other week, which is the perfect cadence in everyone's professional scientific opinion. And we would love if you could join our B-Sides family by subscribing. Our season, our season is dropping, is dropping. What is it? From from 30 Rock? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. My album is dropping. My single, my single Single is dropping, dropping, is dropping. dropping. That's what it is. My single, my single is dropping, is dropping. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically that, but with um, our podcast. Yeah. So you should tune in. Yeah. And you should treat yourself to a rewatch of a show you haven't watched in a while because it will surprise you. Yes. It's great. It's fun and it's great. So until the next time we, and we used to say this all the time and we'll say it again until the next time we cut to the feeling. I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Talk to you soon. See you in the locker room. <laughs>